Welcome to Coastal Front. Join us each week as we sit down with the movers and shakers of Vancouver to discuss stories of business, politics, accomplishment, and failure. Our aim is to keep you dialed into what matters most in our city. Now, here's your host, Andrew Johns. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Coastal Front. On today's episode, I am joined by Chris Catliff, President and CEO of Blue Shore Financial and a true veteran of the financial services industry. Chris graduated from UBC with a master's degree and held executive positions with both Van City and Citizens Bank before taking his role with Blue Shore Financial. For 30 years now, Chris has been devoted to improving and growing the credit union system in Canada and in BC. And that's exactly what we're here to talk about today. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Chris. Look forward to it. So, Chris, we are going to spend a little bit of time talking about Blue Shore Financial. You guys sure. are a unique, a unique uh, value proposition here in BC. But we're also going to talk about how the banking system is being affected today by both COVID-19 as well as this massive flood of new money that's coming in from the federal government, the central bank. And I'd like to also spend some time talking about the credit union system as a whole as well. So let's talk a little about, first of all, about Blue Shore and who you are. Uh, you're the fifth largest credit union in British Columbia. And as we see here from the uh, largest credit union listing, you guys are currently number 12 in the in country Canada, yeah. in, in, in yeah. Canada. But tell, tell us a little bit more about Blue Shore. Well, you, you mentioned the, uh, you read off our website, the, how we were formed. It was really uh, at the foot of Lonsdale in, in North Vancouver, uh, formed by uh, deep sea fishermen. Uh, who there are not many out of the foot of Lonsdale anymore, and also uh, uh, shipbuilders uh, who are building uh, through the Wallace shipyards and Broad Dry Docks, all these ships for the Second World War. And a lot of people were coming in, and the credit union was there to, to help them get the financing that they need and a place for them to put money. As you know, credit unions kind of recycle local money. And so that's what we... Uh, how we grew and and we slowly moved up Lonsdale started branching out and uh, so it's been 79 years Uh, we're now uh, uh, over six billion in assets under administration and we're uh, we've been doing great kind of growing at a a double digit number for the last uh, 20 years since I've been there for sure and uh, but we've changed Uh, we're no longer kind of blue collar we're more blue chip if you will Uh, we've um We've moved into the affluent market because of the the movement of all those people onto the North Shore, particularly in West Van and North Van and into the Sea to Sky Corridor. Uh, we've really expanded on the west side of Vancouver and, and we really specialize in... Um, helping people with their financials, but also uh, mortgages on what's called jumbo mortgages, large mortgages on on uh, valuable single-family homes. And in fact, we've really we had a predominance of single-family home mortgages, houses, uh, for decades. And recently, I'd say in the last five, seven years, we've been doing a lot of condos for kids. So helping our affluent members buy their kids a condo okay and uh, that's been quite interesting and very popular actually that was the most clicked thing on our website for the last two years is condos for kids condos for kids <laughs> yeah like and that. how to do it so that you uh do it properly with a second mortgage and make sure there's proper agreements so that if the lovely couple break up the the people that put in different amounts of money from the family can can make sure that they're child keeps that oh that's really smart and that's an important point do you so you have advisors at blue shore who help with this as opposed to just doing papering up a mortgage they actually go one step further and give that kind of advice oh absolutely we have over uh, 30 uh, uh, certified financial planners which is the highest level of financial planning designation and that's really our specialty is is creating a picture for our clients of their whole uh, wealth universe and what they need to do to prepare for the next stages yeah great okay uh, let's talk about a few more uh, uh, numbers here, metrics here. So you have uh, 40,000 members, which uh, maybe for the average listener might sound like a lot, but actually if you compare yourselves to the, your peers in the market, and I'm going to just look at this list here, for example, 40,000 members by contrast, say Assiniboine Credit Union has around the same amount of assets you, has 126,000 members. Or if we look at First Ontario Credit Union, which again is around the same size as Blue Shore, has 118,000 members. Right. So I think this kind of speaks to your point, which is your like clearly to have that few number of members, but with that much in the way of assets and, and assets under administration, which you said exceeds six billion now. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. what we're doing is we don't have a, a mass market strategy, or 
what's called a wide strategy. Okay. We have a very deep strategy with a, a certain prototypical member, yeah. which again is affluent. We call it the West Coast Affluent. We want okay. to be the best in the world serving the West Coast Affluent. Okay. And uh, so we know what really matters to them, yeah. and, and we're uh, right on top of doing that. And that's not about numbers in terms of members. Yeah. That's about quality, not quantity. And so our average uh, amount of assets per member under administration or profit per member, any metric you do by member, we're uh, staff per member, et cetera, we're, we're very, very high. Yeah. So we can give that personalized service. Right so think of it more like a, a Four Seasons than a Howard Johnson. Yeah, sure. Okay, that's a good description. And I will say, having been an outside observer of your organization over the years, and also, a, uh, for full disclosure, a member for probably the last, last five years, um, that's been exactly my observation. And you guys have, I mean, I've seen your branches evolve and I mean, your, your home off, your home branch is just like, it's, it's, I want to go there just to hang out. Thank um, you, yeah. I think you call it your financial spa. spa yeah. yeah. Um, so if you haven't been to that, what, now what's the address for that, that flagship location? Uh, well, it's right at uh, 13th and Lonsdale. 13th and Lonsdale. Yeah. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, go check it out. But you guys have branches uh, all the way up to as far north as Pemberton. Correct. And you, I know you've got the, where my branch is, which is on, in West Vancouver and Kitsilano. Mm -hmm. And you're also out in Burnaby as well? Yep. Okay. And, and Carisdale and, and oh, all the North Shore. Okay, yeah. great. Um, the other thing that I think is quite compelling is your credit rating. Now, there is, I believe today, only seven credit unions in the country. Right, that's have a credit rating. Yes. Now, Van City, of course, has had theirs forever, but they have always been the kind of the behemoth. And then there's been a number that have come on board, and I think you guys have just got yours about a year and a half or two years ago? Two years ago, Two, yeah. two years ago. And what was impressed, what I was impressed by was most of them have only got a short-term credit rating, but you actually have also a long-term credit rating, which is triple B high. Yeah. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting that. I When I saw that last night and looking at it, I thought it would be maybe, if you even had one, a long-term rating, I would think it would be triple B flat or triple B low. Right. Um, and again, for listeners that are listening to this, I mean, to get a triple B high credit rating, I mean, the next highest after that is double A minus or right. single A minus. That's a very... A very, well within the, what it would be described as investment grade uh, credit rating. yes. Yeah. And, and we've done a lot to make sure we've got high capital and high liquidity levels. But if you if you read the detail of which uh, one of the rating agencies, Dominion Bond Rating Service, yeah. DBRS, uh, what they like about us is that we've got a very good, not, not quite stranglehold, but really our, our hooks are deep into the West Coast affluent market, providing them a kind of unique differentiated value that, right. uh, you know, the big banks are kind of all things to all people across North America, and they have their different segments within it, but we're completely devoted to this to this one group. And, yeah. and they th see it as a very profitable group in a very growing, uh, profitable part of the country and yeah. uh, see that as quite positive for our credit rating. Gotcha. Um, I want to talk about a few more things but I, uh, about uh, Blue Shore, but I actually want to jump for a minute about COVID because we, sure. are, we are here in, uh, what are we, mid-June right now and, yeah. and COVID-19 and a lot of the metrics that we're based, uh, that we're looking at is from your audited financials that are the end of 2019. So yeah. how have you guys fared since COVID has taken place here? So I would say the shock for individuals and our, our clients has been the biggest thing. When we actually look at the numbers, and I'll go into the numbers if you like, yeah. but we, we were having a, a super first quarter, uh, like many of the financial institutions, the, the markets were lined up right and, and, the, and the stock market was going well. Yeah. And then boom, it happened. And what that's meant is we've almost gone to a ca cashless society almost sure. like very quickly. And, and I like to say to my staff that we're, we've progressed on our digital journey probably within two years we would have been will be where we would have been in, in 10 years 10 years yeah sure so we've really moved things yeah, I mean, for sure the number of seniors that we got on to internet and mobile banking right. um, <laughs> our poor solution center staff uh, just spending hours yeah. with them explaining <laughs> them you know what enter means on yeah. the computer what is key. username and password and <laughs> right <laughs> and so we got them all going and and so lots of things happened in that regard and then back to your question about um, how our clients are doing um, when I look at the numbers, uh, just an immediate dramatic increase in savings. Our right. demand deposits have gone way up. Yeah. Now, granted, there's some government money in that, yeah. right, from the SIBA loans and yeah. others. Um, huge liquidity into the market, yeah. which I'll talk about. So our members are not, they're saving they're not spending. They're sitting on a lot of cash, which yeah. is giving us a lot of cash. Yeah. And, and we can only put that into T-bills for, you know, 25 basis points. 
And uh, so we look at a number of them came looking for mortgage uh, and commercial loan deferrals. The banks gave six months right off the bat. We gave one month and three months uh, just because we thought, let's have the discussion. Because the deferrals, um, they're really important for your cash flow, but they're not good for your mortgage. Right. Because you're, what you're doing is you're re-amortizing your mortgage, which means you're adding years of payments onto it. Sure. And our whole mantra is to best advise our our members and our clients on how to manage their affairs so that they can retire in, in, you know, in grace, basically. Yeah, sure. So we've found that uh, over the last uh, uh, exactly about five weeks, so the first of the three-month renewals, uh, deferrals started maturing, and we peaked of all of our deferrals on May 30th, so about a month ago, and, and now we have had 40% of those deferrals go back to regular payments, oh, which is huge. Yeah. So everybody's worried about this big, you know, what happens when everybody has to pay So what's again? your belief as to why that's happening? I mean, look, we, we haven't seen a ramp up of that magnitude in business activity. Is that, so, or do you think that's what it is? Or, 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 or is it the SIBA loans and the wage subsidies and all the other money that's coming into the system? Yes, yes. And I think people see light at the end of the tunnel now and okay. they're realizing that their savings that they have, they can now use, use. and they can see use how that, that will bridge them. To bridge them through right. so they're not deferring this right. obligation that's just going to make add years to their mortgage. Yeah, if their mortgage gotcha. is at 3%, they're just, it's an after-tax yeah. 3% return, which they can't get anywhere else right. that's safe as paying their own yeah. mortgage. Yeah. So why don't they pay that down yeah. and use Tax-free. some of the cash resources? But the other thing we're seeing is over uh, about 40%, just under 40% of our clients that have their mortgage with us on their home also have a line of credit with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we've seen the line of credit utilization go way down. Way down, yeah. Which is shocking. You'd think yeah. it'd go way up. Of course. But people are saving and not using it. Yeah. Uh, the but other- are they, Chris? That's the thing that I, sorry, yeah. that's the thing that I really question. Are yeah, people right. really saving or is it that they've received their SIBA loan? Because if your market or is- their mortgage deferral and use, right. and putting that cash away, yeah, and I think that that's a huge chunk of it. Yes, for sure. Have you guys had a lot of uh, business owners um, apply for SIBA through? Um, oh, this, yeah, this is just absolutely. for listeners that are listening to this to understand. This is a Canada Emergency Business Account. It's a forty thousand right. dollar interest free loan. Takes you all the way out until it's it's due in December thirty first of twenty twenty two. So it's two and a half years. And if you pay back only thirty thousand of the forty, you get to keep the ten thousand. It gets sort of written off by the federal government, um, which makes it basically a slam dunk. I mean, you, you'd be a fool not to take it, even if you didn't need it as a business owner. Um, so, with that, are you guys seeing a lot of those applications coming yeah, through? Yeah, I can't you? remember the numbers, but they're I, I'm thinking twenty to thirty million of. So that's a lot of them, right? You know, um, uh, in the thousand, over a thousand, I think, and yeah. and the um, the. Uh, the loan it has really helped people with their cash flow. Mm-hmm. I think what happened, you know, phase one of COVID, when I was talking to a lot of our clients, they were worried about whether they would lay off or not. And then they got the wage subsidy right. or they got the SIBA loan or they did lay off, but give people, you know, I'm just laying you off for two months and then you come back. Yeah. And then those individuals they laid off got to get the CERB, which is the Canadian yeah. Emergency uh, Relief. Yeah, Canadian uh, Emergency Relief Benefit. Yeah. Benefit. And so, yes, the government programs have really helped. But the other thing that's amazing to me is our wealth portfolio, uh, our our, um, clients' uh, wealth portfolios, both registered and non-registered, is is continuing to grow. Yeah. Yes, the markets come back. Yeah. But but they're not amazing. Yeah. But they're not taking money from that. Right. Yeah. So I think with the flood of liquidity and all this, it's really, and I think it's going to take us, uh, you know, we'll have to see what the second wave is like yeah. and how bad, but, yeah. uh, and, and some of the programs should, should slow down. Yeah. But I really think, um, you know, a lot of business owners, we're, we're more focused on business owners and, and people that run a business as opposed to just workers in that, uh, that are, and those, uh, part-time workers and, and restaurant workers, they've been really poorly affected. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and that's tough for them. Um, and we empathize with that. But but 
I also have got to take care of uh, people who are trying to figure out how they do retire when they're five years away and they own a restaurant chain. Right. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's a, tough, a tough one. That's a tough one. And maybe some won't. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this liquidity situation for a second. I've got a statistic sure. for you to, to read to you. This just came out last week. Uh, OSFI, which is the Office of the Superintendent of Financial Institutions, which is the regulator for banks. You're not a bank, you're credit. And we'll go right. into the difference between the two sure. and who regulates you in a minute so people can listen to that. But here's the stats. From April, from January 1st of this year till April 30th um, of, uh, of 2020, we have seen the total amount of cash and cash equivalents by the entire banking system, namely the big two banks, TD and Royal, go up by $30 billion. So that's what you referred to as liquidity, a lot of liquidity, we, the Treasury people like to use that term. That's 30, sorry, did I say 30? I meant to say 300. Yeah. 300, $300 billion in four months has been added to the balance sheets of the banks. And most of that would have been in two months, really March and April. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, to give you a contrast, uh, TD and Royal, which represent over 50% of that 300 billion, they, uh, they increased their cash of cash equivalents, their balance sheet in all of 2019 by $5 billion. Right. And then in four months, that entire system's gone up by $300 billion. There is more cash in the banking system today than you and I have ever seen in our entire careers. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's astounding how much money's there. What do you think, A, what do you think this is a result of? I know my view, but I'd like to get yours. Maybe it's the same, maybe it's not. And B, how is this going to affect the banking system and Blue Shore in particular uh, in the coming months or quarters? Yeah, so, so uh, the money's clearly come from the central bank um, through various means. There's this emergency lending facility that it provides to the banks. But most of it has come through uh, the, the government, the, the Bank of Canada, buying mortgage bonds, essentially. Yes, and and so so we've packaged up a lot of uh, uh, of mortgages, and um, we've got about a billion dollars of contingent liquidity available to us right now. I've never seen it that high for us in terms of percentages. It's about we've peaked out about sixteen and a half percent. Normally, we run at eight or nine, ten percent. So so big big numbers up. Um, would that be referred to as your capital ratio? No, that would be that's liquidity the, ratio. That's a liquidity but, but, ratio. But, okay. Uh, same thing with capital. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, there's a flood of money into uh, the uh, the banking system. And historically, what happened was that when when the economy got going way up, and, and then you'd get inflation, and then the Bank of Canada would raise interest rates to to tighten it all down, and then you'd have a brief recession, and then you'd start to grow again. Yeah, yeah, that's your typical curve right? business cycle yeah, yeah. exactly and uh, we've had that for you know hundreds of years yeah now the alchemists at the central bank are trying to figure out a way of of beating that and and what they've discovered and what they used in the last financial crisis is instead of having everybody stop spending and stop doing anything in a deflationary environment is just hit cash particularly at the banking system so that we've we're sitting on all this cash and that we have to lend it out yeah and so because you don't make money having that bank that cash sitting there well the exact opposite we lose money on it yeah. we call it cash drag right cash drag sure yeah so so you know we're incented to lend out money to uh to individuals now of course we're going to make sure and, and this is another major point is that the, the government of Canada has used the banks and the credit unions, the financial institutions, to put out all their programs. And the reason why they do that is because we know our clients. We know that they're not money launderers. We know that they're not crooks. And so they've said, put these programs through the existing banking relationship because you know them already and, mm -hmm. and we know their financials, etc. So. We've had, and it's interesting because they haven't done that with the fintechs, you know, who are apparently we're going to take over the financial system. Right, yeah. uh, they've been left out on the side because they don't have the, the strength of the regulatory yeah. uh, capability that banks and credit unions have. AML requirements and all that KYC, sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah, know your client. So, and, and I do want to say uh, one thing that just amazed me um, um, many people that deal with uh, the Canadian uh, Revenue Association, CRA, know that uh, they don't like emails. They only take faxes, and it's uh, hard to get through on the phone, and, yeah. and a lot of antiquated uh, processes that we're yeah. not used to. 
So when the government wanted to put out, say, I'll give you an example, the SEBA program, they said, well, let's look around. Oh, the Export Development Corp, they're, they're the most efficient of all of our crown agencies. But even them, it's still kind of fax machines and everything. <laughs> so what they said is we're going to put this program out. And they worked with the financial institutions. And we all got it done within about seven or eight days. Yeah. And we worked in parallel on all the programming. So the, so people were able to do it on their internet banking. Yeah. They were able to get this loan within seven days, eight days. And uh, we, we the lawyers drafted up the agreements. We made all the deals with the government and, yeah. and put all that money out like so fast. It's never happened before in our yeah. system. And again, that's going to rapidly evolve digital technology yeah and with the government yeah, too sure. so so yeah. that's going to be a big difference now chris let's go you just touched on a topic that i absolutely love talking about so i'm going to go down this rabbit hole a little bit okay sure now what when, is it <laughs> well you'll find out so okay. when, when bill marneau came out about two and a half three months ago maybe it's probably closer to three months ago he said i just had a call with uh the ceos of the big six banks and they've assured me that they will be here to help take care of canadians and I'm not a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist by any stretch, but I do believe that there's this um, unfair advantage that the big six banks have uh, against the rest of the banking industry, credit unions and smaller banks, regional banks combined. And I do believe that there's also sometimes deals that get, whether it's a formalized deal or maybe just a, a wink, wink, nudge, nudge conversation that our Minister of Finance has behind closed doors. I have nothing to prove this, but I look at what happened in the rollout of that SEBA program, and I saw a, an immediate advantage that the big six banks had, and even bigger with the big two over names like Blue Shore. And the reason I say that is twofold. One is I, being a business owner myself, aside from what I do here, I've got my other businesses that I'm involved with, so I have accountants that were applying for these programs. We had accounts at credit unions. We had accounts at banks. And one of the big six banks we had an account with, we were able to apply very quickly after it was announced. And it took the credit unions, we didn't have one through you guys, but we, which led to the next issue, we didn't get the access to the SEBA opportunity as quickly as we did with the banks. It seemed to me like the big banks had a major head start on rolling this program out. Maybe I'm wrong. Be likely to address that. And the second part that I think is even worse is that you could only apply through your primary banking relationship. Right. And so that's also what I've heard is where a lot of the big the big banks had a huge advantage because you know you might have a business owner who you know maybe maybe they don't have the services of a blue shore, which is, sounds to me from what you're describing earlier as a full encompassing program. Maybe they're with a smaller credit union that only has some basic services, but they like supporting that credit union for all the purposes that people like being part of a credit union. But when they went to apply, they're like, well, you're not our main bank. It's actually this bank over here because they do all our you know, credit card processing. Or operating loan. Or, or operating whatever. loan. Yeah. Yeah. And so it seemed to me like the big banks had this huge advantage. Again, I'm, I may be being a little cynical here because of my, stand, my viewpoint, but can you comment on, on that? Am I off base or what do you think? I think so, yeah. You think and, I'm off base? Yeah, okay. I, I'm sorry to say. No, that's okay. It, uh, that's your why I think is because I think uh, in that situation, yeah. the most important thing was getting money out quickly, as safely as possible, because it's, it's all of our money, government money, and doing it in a way that got as quickly as possible to those business owners and others that I was talking about that really needed to, to make some decisions quickly about whether they could survive or not. Sure. And it was in, um, there's been enough studies done in the past that if you act quickly, you, you, you mitigate the amount of people that are going to make a decision to just throw in the towel and go bankrupt. Right. And, or, or lay off all their stuff and shut their doors. So, yeah. so you give them hope. Um, if the banks were the, the quickest to do it, I can tell you credit unions like mine were like one or two days behind them. And, okay. um, and the fact that they went first is fine by me because a lot of the, I use the same agreements. So, uh, right. there's a lot of work that was done by a lot of people. I can tell you that our mission statement is to passionately improve our clients overall financial well-being yeah. in an interconnected digital world. Mm -hmm. And when all of our plans and everything went out the window, we just went back to our mission statement and said, we got to help our clients in their financial well-being 
uh, maybe not make them retire right now, but save them. And then we got to do it in an interconnected digital way. Yeah. And those that that mission was we just put that back up on the wall and said that's what we're focused on. So forget all your incentives, your your goals, your what you're supposed to be doing, what we said our projects were. That's what we're focusing on. And right. I think the other financial institutions all they did, did that as well. And I think the government made a smart move by working through the financial institutions, not yeah. others. I think most of the fraud you'll probably see is in the is in the serve, serve yeah. and that's not really controlled by the banks. No, it's not. Yeah. So, so I okay, think. Okay, so you so for for the record, yeah. then you don't you don't feel as a CEO of a major credit union in Canada that you had a little bit of a lesser advantage to the big banks um, in in this situ- in this circumstance. I think we were. Uh, a few seconds afterthought, yeah, and our leaders at uh, at our association CCUA, yeah, uh, they the advocated know, for you guys. Advocated for it. I mean, I got a call from a minister at six thirty a.m. on a Sunday morning to approve us to to uh, to be able to do the uh, the loans on Monday. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm shocked at how, uh, and and they reached out and everything. It's just, it, it's easy to work with five big banks yeah. quickly and get that done and then distribute it out. So okay. I, I think... Okay, well, that's good. Well, thank okay. you. And, okay. and this is why I liked having these candid conversations. Let's, let me have one more crack at okay, this one. Okay, sure, sure. In okay. a different way. Okay. Let's talk about pre-COVID. Yeah. Let's talk about, uh, before any of this stuff, let's just talk about the banking system in Canada mm-hmm. and the credit union system in Canada and maybe even more so in BC. And do you feel that there is a growing unfair advantage? I mean, this is a loaded question. Obviously, you can get the sense just the way I'm asking this question, what my view is. Do you feel there's an unfair competitive advantage that the big six banks have over the rest of the competitors in the marketplace like Blue Shore Financial? Uh, That's a very complicated uh, question I've spent my life uh, (laughs) looking at. I think, um, you know, there's the, there's on one side, there's an argument that we have an oligopoly. Uh, That's unlike, my view, obviously. Okay, yeah. yeah, so unlike the United States that has thousands of banks and, yes. and many regional banks. But what we have in this country and we've had for a long time is really good safety of money. Mm-hmm. And you don't get that in the United States. They've had savings and loans crises, yes. you know, banking crisis. The whole 2008 was really was brought on by them. And, for yeah. sure. So, so we made some decisions way back when, back in the 20s, uh, in the, like 100 years ago in this country, that we wanted to have a stable financial, insti- a stable financial system mm-hmm. uh, and that we would allow cons- consolidation and concentration. Um, if you remember back, I think, believe it was fin- Finance Minister Paul Martin was uh, stopped the, the merger. The merger, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of the, I think it was in the uh, early 2000s or yeah, late 90s. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, late 90s, 90s I think. 90s, but, yeah. Uh, so we've kind of said enough's enough on the on the concentration side, and then I think that the credit unions do a great job of filling in the holes. Uh, what you see in Canada is where people believe that their best decisions about how they run their life are not run out of Toronto. In this country, they tend to use alternatives to Toronto head office financial institutions. Mm-hmm. So Quebec's a perfect example with the largest credit union system, yeah. you know, Desjardins. Desjardins, yeah. And, uh, but also in the prairies, yeah. uh, where credit unions are really big in agricultural lending. And yeah. if you have a bad crop, which is totally act of God, you don't lose your farm. Yeah. Because credit unions, you know, make sure that work that with you. work yeah. with you. Uh, in British Columbia, we've got uh, some fantastic credit unions, uh, some of the best in the country, and they have value propositions that, di- that are different than the, the big banks and survive and do well. And, and we have the support of our provincial government uh, mm-hmm. who regulates us uh, um, in, a tough, in a tough manner, but with love. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think it's, um, I think that it's probably harder for the smaller banks because they only have the $100,000 deposit guarantee from CDIC and they're not too big to fail, mm-hmm. which, is, which is the big ones. But, sure. Yeah. Has Blue Shore gone through any mergers? Did you guys? No, you just no. grown like I, I organically. Said, yeah. How long have you been the CEO for? Twenty years. Twenty uh, years. You've been yeah. the CEO. Yes. Yeah. You start when you're twelve. No, <laughs> I started. Uh, I started when I was forty, and I've just turned sixty. Good for you. Wow, yeah. you're looking great, great man. So uh, I started twenty years ago, and. Uh, in fact, so all this growth has happened organically, effectively. Yeah, so that's been the uh, quite a quite a. Uh, 
it, it, it is impressive, but it's not surprising because mergers allow you to bring uh, two balance sheets together, but then what are you? What, who, what are you for? Who are you? Sure. If you can come up with a vision that's targeting a segment and you can be the best in the world at, at delivering to that segment and using your data, then um, you can get everybody focused around it and then grow organically. And, and that's what we've done. And, and we've had kind of a 13% compound on growth rate through that whole period on the deposits and loans and then even more on the wealth. So, yeah, yeah. so it's been wow. great. Okay. Well, that's great. One of, the st- uh, one of the numbers that caught my attention is that you guys every year as Blue Shore Financial, you have, um, as you mentioned, just under 400 employees. Um, and you, your employees collectively, and I'm assuming you're part of this, is uh, provide over 10,000 hours a year of volunteer services to the community. Yeah. And you guys also have a policy of paying out just over 1% of your operating income which last year was a total of $227,000 that you donated back into the community, yeah. which I think is really impressive. Can you talk a little bit more about this policy of, uh, of the 1% and maybe a bit more about what you're doing in the community? Yeah, it's called, it's, uh, it's a requirement to be labeled an Imagine company. And, and we've been doing this, I think, for, oh, 20 years. Ever an Imagine I, company? Yeah, is Imagine okay. is a, a kind of like a, a best housekeeping seal type of thing for corporate okay. donations. Okay. And so we follow their protocol and, and, okay. uh, and we donate it back and we donate it back to causes that are important to our clients and, and our staff. Yeah. And, uh, oftentimes vote on them um you know we don't we don't want to make too big a deal about it it's it's really part of our tithing to be part of a strong community you you give back so yeah yeah, it's been it's been great and i I get to uh work with some of the uh the non-profits when we do that and it's uh very rewarding what are some of the names of some of the non-profits that you kind of like you get excited about contributing to well this morning it was uh coast uh coast Coast Health Society that deals with uh, uh, mentally challenged. Okay, um, we've been doing uh, BC Women's uh, Children's Hospitals, particular. You yeah. know, there's so many of them, uh, but all across uh, the Sea to Sky as well. Yeah, um, was it Ma- Imagine? What was it called yeah. again? Imagine. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. We'll look yeah. at it in a second. Yeah. But um, I and do, the volunteer, the volunteer yeah. work. What, what what are some of the kind of work that you're employees do for volunteer hours well a lot of it comes from community stuff so what they're really interested in yeah um you know we have uh so many soccer coaches hockey coaches oh, yeah, you know right the on. rite of passage for yeah. for young adults is really to go through that um younger ones are doing big brothers big sisters things yeah. like that yeah okay great um what let's talk a little bit about um the Deposit uh, losses on deposits, the insurance coverage you mentioned earlier, backing of 100% insurance coverage, and how that differs from the banking system. Yeah, so so CDIC insures up to $100,000 uh, by kind of account type. Yeah, and uh, at a credit union in in the four western provinces, uh, you have the provincial guarantee, which is unlimited. Mm-hmm. And uh, so essentially... So it's different from CDIC. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's for us, it's called the Credit Union Deposit Insurance Corp. We have money in there in okay. a fund. Um, but before it even gets close to that fund, we have another f- group called Stabilization Central, which is a group that we run collectively as credit unions, which uh, if any credit union is having problems, we send in executives to, to help them sort out their problems before the regulator needs to do that because uh, we don't want to have any regulatory issues in any of our... Uh, um, uh, credit unions and we're highly regulated and yeah. so so we do that we we fix ourselves first uh, then if the province uh, they regulate us uh, and look at us and examine us every year and give us ratings etc um, and we've got this fund set up and it, it's, it's very large and and uh, has grown uh, quite a bit um, and then behind that is the provincial guarantee, but also the emergency lending facility has come in for our, our central, and that comes from the Bank of Canada. And then, of course, we can always sec- right? securitize uh, our mortgages, which we do. And uh, so there's lots of liquidity. There's lots of um, capital to take losses. Uh, no credit union, has, uh, sorry, no 
uh, credit union depositor has ever lost money in a BC credit union. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, during the 80s, we had uh, a big, bad recession. Uh, no money was lost by... Uh, have there ever been any insolvencies of a credit union system, a credit well, union in BC? I don't think there's been insolvencies, but what's happened is if a credit union has suffered badly, it gets merged. It gets merged, okay. And in fact, some of the biggest credit unions are the result of absorbing a lot of other credit unions. So right. there used to be 200, and now there's 38 or something credit unions. Yeah. So so we just take care of our problems and merge it in, and, and we are, always have strong ones. Credit unions tend to be less riskier than banks, uh, a little less profitable. Yeah. Uh, a little less risky. How, how do you quantify that? Because um, I remember when we spoke uh, a couple of days ago, you'd mentioned that statistic that credit unions tend to be less risky than banks. Can you speak to how you quantify that? Yeah, so what we do is we look at uh, both uh, studies in the United States and in Canada done by think tanks, you know, C.D. Howe, uh, Filene, all these groups. Um, and then we look at, and, and in fact, our own regulators uh, uh, have done it. And you look at um, the income and the credit losses and delinquencies of the various institutions. And you mm -hmm. look at the um, banks and cr versus credit unions over uh, about 50 years. And uh, you'll see that uh, banks are more profitable, but take on more risk. And so when there's a downturn, they, they lose more, have more credit losses. Yes. And so we're a lot more stable, but we're cooperative. So we're, we're not driven by profits to the same degree that banks are. It's mm -hmm. very important what that share price is. Yeah. So it's a great thing to be, uh, I would argue, it's a great thing to be a shareholder of a bank. It's, yeah, a, it's, sure. a, it's an efficient, effective machine yeah. to deliver profit. Yeah. Um, may not always be as soft as credit unions on the customer engagement. Yeah. But a good in holding in your RSP account. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I always say that. People so should always I have some own, own know, banks, bank and own bank stocks, be a credit union <laughs> member. <laughs> right. um, like it. <laughs> because banks are uh, an open system, which is an efficient system used to get profit yeah. for the shareholder. Drive the shareholder, shareholder profit, yeah. Credit unions are a closed system. Our shareholders are the customers. So yeah. if we're taking And everybody has an equal vote. Right. But if you take too much money from the customers, you're just giving it back to them in dividends or services. So it's kind of like uh, uh, some people belong to maybe a, uh, an athletic club or something. So what do they charge for the food? You know, if, if they charge too much, the dues have to go up. And if they charge little, the, the... If they charge too much, the dues go down. And if right, they charge yeah, yeah, too yeah. little, the dues have to go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So it's an equilibrium they have to figure out. Right. So that's what we do. But, but more importantly than that, I think, is that credit unions raise uh, about 80% of their deposits in the retail, whereas banks, 40%, 50%, they uh -huh. raise a lot more wholesale through, through BAs and commercial paper. So because we raise so much of, uh, through retail and because we're so retail focused and, and many credit don't have a rating, but uh, like us that can raise it so easily wholesale, we tend to give far better rates. And so it's quite remarkable how much better our rates are. And if you look at uh, somebody with our rating or with the backing of a, a AA uh, provincial government guarantee. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, AAA with, with the three American credit rating agencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. The, so we, there's a blend of rating there, but AAA with, with those guys. And you're, so you're getting a AAA guarantee, and you're, instead of you know provincial one-year bond right now probably be like 26 basis points that's or right yeah and uh you're probably getting on a one-year right now about close to two percent so yeah. on a one-year so, gic yeah, yeah so you about you know almost seven ten times difference yeah. uh, we did have one credit union was offering three percent just in a one-year uh, uh you know three weeks ago so right. so um it is a safe place to put your money and as interest rates go down, it's really important to, to maintain. Uh, now, we have a deflation, so you don't have to fight for inflation for a real return right now, but mm -hmm. that deflation's only been the last two months. Yeah. We'll see where that yeah. goes. Well, you know, you bring up a, a good point about uh, one about losses. And one of the things yeah. that, that I my team tracks is what we refer to as actual loan losses. I like looking at those in particular because Allowance for loan losses really just state what you think you might have to account for into the future. It's just Correct. a guess. Right. But what I think is a telltale sign is how does a financial institution do year in, year out with their actual write-offs, like what they've actually documented as a, as a loan right. loss. 
And the statistic is very uh, stark between the big six banks and credit unions. Right. I mean, the big six banks' average uh, actual loan losses is somewhere around the 30 basis point range. And for the credit unions, it's like it's south of 15. So it's like half. Now, I think it speaks to the strength of the banking system that you alluded to earlier, because just for people to understand, 30 basis points in loan losses, if that's your average amongst the big six banks, that's 30 cents on every hundred dollars. Right. So it's 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 really not it's not large at all. Right. And you'd have maybe 400 basis points or 4 percent on credit cards in that mix. Right. Right. So the the bit that's credit cards and and, uh, overweights. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I still, th- I, th- I do, I always go back to that metric because when I think about if I'm a depositor putting my money in with a bank or credit union, what's the number one concern I have? Getting will, it back. Will I get it back? Right. Because right? when I make a deposit by a GIC or high interest savings account, I'm your lender. I'm lending right. to you. So just in the same way that your commercial and retail lenders should make sure the first thing they do is make sure they lend to people who will pay back. Right. And so I just simply go, well, what is your history of paying back loans? And, and if you have a loan loss that's like south of, do you know what your latest loan losses were for 2019? I'm kind of putting you on the spot. No, here, but, but I mean, there'd be, I mean, we were down to most of uh, 2019, we were around 0.00 delinquency. So not even, right. so not even registering delinquency in the loans with loan losses. We had a few in leases, but uh, that, you know, in I don't know, one, two, three basis points. Yeah, amazing. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. In fact, it was, it's been so low for the last number of years, I keep thinking it's got to get worse, and it hasn't been, but now, yeah. now we'll see. Well, <laughs> what's that old saying? Be yeah. careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. Well, getting, I wasn't wishing ex- for it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, I would say I've devoted my life to, to making sure I've thought about any possible way that I won't be put in a situation where I can't give people their deposit money back. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's what we do. That's why we do yeah. all those games for what happens with earthquakes. Yeah, sure. Right? Yeah. That's why we had 70 laptops that we could deploy to our key staff to get them working, you know, as soon as the uh, the stay-at-home order came in. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad you guys were able to do that. Yeah. That's great news. And uh, you obviously were well-prepared. Well what is a financial spa? Ah, uh, okay. Um, the I'll tell you the story, if you don't mind. Yeah. And quickly is that... Um, when I first came to North Shore Credit Union at the time, and I figured that we had, um, we were shifting to a lot of uh, more wealthier people that were building houses repeatedly, and they had, they were getting a lot of good income, but they didn't know the stock market so well, but they did know their how to build, and and they had a lot of cash on deposit with us. So I, so I surveyed them and asked them what they wanted, and they said, when I go to my bank to do my financial plan. It's like going to the dentist and getting a root canal. I don't like it as bright lights. I, um, okay, okay. Completely get okay. <laughs> So they said, I don't want somebody rooting around in me and telling me, you know, why did you, uh, why did you not, uh, why did you care a balance on your credit card when I gave you a line of credit? Like, you know, it's like, yeah. you're not flossing enough, you know? Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> and so, and then when I saw uh, my wife at, a, at an event where she went, we were at a conference and she went to a, uh, a spa and just how relaxed she was with all the senses in play. And uh, I thought, if I can make people that relaxed when we're doing their financial planning, then they will open up to us. And so we designed everything to give you a full uh, sensual array like you do at a, at a spa. Um, smell, music, design. Uh, our our financial spas are designed at West Coast Contemporary Home, like like that with residential lighting, like yeah. nothing like any other financial institution. It's quite different. Uh, we have concierge. We have um, just a very very beautiful uh, um, experience, uh, much like. So so what I found with our with our key affluent is. They are so busy. They're such high achievers. They've got um, both are, have jobs. They've got kids they've got to take care of, ailing grandparents that they're worried about. Their life is just crossing off things on their list. But every once in a while, they go somewhere and they just they get cues that they can relax for a moment and they're going to be taken care of. And that is what we do. And that's we your do. vision. That's what you guys do. And that's what we do, and we get huge marks on it for our, from our clients. Um, 
that we value their business 30 base 30 points better than the than the uh, the banks that we've um, treat them uh, very much uh, where it's they're not a number it's uh, um, they're valued that we're experts in financial advice so it's it's a big change for us it, it seemed like a crazy idea at the beginning but it's really taken off and that's really why we have yeah but that's yeah. why we got our organic growth and yeah, um, yeah. how is the uh, we, we wanted to talk a bit about, about a bit more about technology so how does that translate because that's the in that's the in branch experience right. um, do you have a digital you know financial spa or what how, how are you approaching and obviously COVID it sounds like from what we said earlier has kind of fast for fast track this entire experience. How is that technology side of it uh, developing? Yeah, so I'm talking Friday morning to um, we have I think our top 35 uh, executives at Blue Shore are going through a solder school uh, business certificate uh, with Blue Shore leader- leadership development program. Okay, and I'm pitching the how are we going to create the digital financial spa at them and groups, and so I'll be talking. Oh, are you to really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a key question, but at its fundamental level, um, what we do really, really well at Blue Shore is we take an individual's personalized data, and we service them extremely well in terms of what they need for their future. We always say we've got your back. We, we look for what you need before you know you need it. Yeah. In fact, when I was interviewing those, those uh, clients I talked about before, they basically said, don't try and sell me anything. Don't uh, push stuff at me. Tell me something I didn't know that makes me money or saves me money and do it in the way that I like to be dealt with, which could be text, email, whatever it is, okay. in person. Yeah. And, and if you do that, you got me for life. And so been devoted for the last decade to make that happen. To, so what we do is we use uh, individuals' data, things like we look at people like you and we try and figure out what it is. So maybe, uh, Andrew, you might be overly invested in stocks and under in bonds for your age or not enough in real estate or not taking care of your, your people your age that have, say, two kids are starting to think about a condo for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that age or whatever and are you doing it the correct way so we're constantly doing proactive contact to help you think about what you need to do uh, to either save you money or um, make you money or the third one is to save you time right because these are time which is worth a lot which is worth a lot for many people it's worth more than right and so so most of our members uh, like our recommendations Uh, about half of them say you do it just do it and the other half say give me two or three options and then I'll quickly decide yeah and so so to do that you need to be really good at business intelligence artificial intelligence and data usage and that's what we're going to be good at the question is do you deliver it in person or do you deliver it digitally Obviously, with COVID, our whole, because we're mostly a financial planning shop, uh, we've moved to digital financial planning, and we've been doing that on uh, Skype for business. It's kind of our preferred. Really? Yeah. And uh, so um, that's really advanced and, and going forward. Uh, we don't need to get signatures on what we call wet signatures or anything. It can all be done. I'm, I'm sure you've been seeing this. Everything's been digitized in yeah. the last little while because it had to. Using right? services like DocuSign, for example. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and there's many of them, and the regulators are having to catch up on that, and they're they're we're not going to let them go back to the old ways. Yeah, because this no stuff, one should. No one should. But yeah. the, we're fighting. The regulators with are really got to make sure they support that. And and they know that, and they're going to do it. Yeah. But it's uh, kicking and screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, regulatory forbearance. Um, can you tell me first of all what does that mean? And I think so. Yeah. yeah. And maybe if you can't, no, no problem. Uh, and, and how does it affect credit unions and in particular smaller credit unions than, say, a larger one like yourself? Yeah, I think it means and, uh, that, that the regulator will uh, uh, look at uh, the situation, like the COVID situation, and say, here's some changes that you guys can make. We're not going to hold you to these. Do this. Okay. And, uh, that's what I think it means. But yeah. uh, if it doesn't... Uh, yeah. 
I'll find out. Um, in Italy, I don't know what it means either. That's why I was okay. a question. Yeah. I, I, the, the regulators did come out to us and say a few things. They said, uh, um, you know, this ratio over here, don't worry about it. We know you're going to be doing this. Uh, yeah. This ratio over here, delinquency, we know we want you to do uh, deferrals. Yeah. So we're not going to count those as bad loans yet. Okay. So things Is there like a lot that. of dialogue with the regulators here in Absolutely. BC? Oh, all the time. I talk to the Minister of Finance uh, uh, quarterly okay. um, uh, with the regulators. Uh, uh, we meet with them at all different levels all the time. We're, we're joined at the hip, and I guess that's another thing about what I wanted to say about uh, depositing in a credit union. I said it was more circular and everything, but um, it really is what we learned in the 80s and even in the financial crisis is that... Um, when you deposit in an international institution, they'll take that money anywhere. Could be into yeah. the Caymans, could That's be right. into uh, wherever that wherever the hot spot is, and so they actually make recessions pro-cyclical, and that means create make them bigger. Um, we actually make them counter-cyclical in the sense that we all the money that's coming to us, we're reinvesting locally. And so many of the municipalities, universities, schools, hospitals take their extra money and invest it with credit unions because they know it's being used locally mm -hmm. to help the, the very same people that are using their hospitals, living in their municipalities, going to their schools. And so that's a great thing that we do. And the fact that we pay higher rates and do it uh, is even bonus. <laughs> the fact that it's got that double uh, A, triple A guarantee on it is, yeah. is fantastic as well. And so I just, uh, I think it's a, an important point to be made. It is an important point, Chris. And I do agree that um, when you look at the history of the big banks and uh, while they all have phenomenal credit ratings um, and they They've bode very well during the financial crisis. Um, they did incur uh, some substantial losses uh, during that time and likely will be in the future here, in my view, with COVID. Um, and it's because the credit unions, as you pointed out earlier, are kind of all things to all people. And they are, I often describe to people who ask me about credit unions, which I obviously know well, I say, credit unions are what banks used to be 200 years ago. Hmm. They basically know their members, they take deposits from them and they lend them out to other members who need the loans. And that's it. They're not in international markets. They're not doing derivatives trading. They don't have prop desks. They don't like they're not they're not doing all the sort of fancy high finance bought deals, stuff, all bought deals you right. know, investment banking, which, as you pointed out, when times are good, that's a great market to be in. And Absolutely. you want to hold it in your RSP. But when you have times like this, it also makes it very prone to them, you know, losing money. Now, on the flip side of that, Chris, to challenge you on this, though, one could make the argument that the risk of a name like Blue Shore is concentration risk. Yeah. How do you address that? Yeah, and so maybe before you do, just so other listeners understand what I'm talking about is your region is the Cetus Sky Corridor right. and a few areas within the GBRD and a large part of your portfolio are mortgages. Yes. So you, one could argue, well, there's a lot of real estate, residential real estate market risk that's concentrated in your balance sheet. Right. And you could even say, we, because we focus on single family homes, mostly the third, fourth, fifth time purchase. So these are high equity, but but larger homes. Okay. Um, they've already been hit significantly in terms of uh, price, but our loan to values are so low and the borrowers are so good. We, we haven't seen any delinquency or losses. Okay. Um, so concentration risk is, um, when you look at the studies, and it's very important, that the the idea is, do you spread your risk over a whole country, mm -hmm. like a bank does? Or are you credit unions, are you in one area? And then, so yes, if it's a single resource town, right, that's a problem, okay. right? And the, and the company mill. So if you were like, uh, not to knock them, but if you were like uh, Fort McMurray Credit Union, I don't even know if they want to exist, but. Well, there was a Squamish Credit Union, okay. and it, it that's, uh, served, it was actually Brent, uh, um, sorry, the mine there. I forgot. Oh, the Britannia, mine. Britannia, Britannia Mines mine, Credit right, Union. Yeah. And it... Uh, um, yeah, there was a Safeway Credit Union right. at one point. Right, so, so the uh, Britannia Mines Credit Union in 1956, I believe, couldn't, all their um, their members couldn't pay their mortgages back. Because they all got laid off. Because they all got laid off. Somebody bought the mine and shut it down. And so what happened was all the other credit unions took those mortgages and put them on their own and, and gave the uh, period of time for them to uh, to pay off those loans. So, so, so that would be an example of the worst part of concentration risk. Okay. But actually what happens, and the studies will show, is that 
credit unions, because they know their markets so well, they're actually experts in lending. So we're, we're experts on lending onto Whistler chalets or waterfront homes in West Van. Right. But we would we lend on the homes that face downtown Vancouver and get the sun. Yes. And not the other ones on the other side that face the wrong way sort of things. Like okay. we, we yeah. really know what we do. Yeah. And a lot of our lenders drive by and know the, the property. We're not doing it through uh, algorithms, I what see. we call factory lending. You, with somebody. you kick your lenders, your, your uh, lenders kick the tires. Exactly. Your, and they your, go ba- your bankers, they go yeah. out there. And, and when we do commercial lending the same way, we're yeah. right there. We're not doing it uh, based out of Toronto, based on algorithms. Yeah. What is your average size mortgage and what's the like, what would be the highest size of mortgage that, uh, so for the listeners who might be in, in to entertain the idea of coming and joining Blue Shore, what, what kind of mortgage ranges? Well, I think do you guys- we're um, twelve million on a commercial connection, and yeah. then um, uh, kind of a two million on a residential. I think, but I've gone higher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but generally, our average mortgage size, I think, is around somewhere around seven hundred thousand, something like that, new mortgage. Yeah. And then uh, most of them are are paying off and amortized quite far down now. Yeah. Okay. 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 And we're. Of all the loans that we have, which is we have deposits and loans mostly yeah. on our balance sheet, and of all the loans we have, it's about ninety-eight uh, percent real estate secured. Okay, and uh, you know we feel really good about that. Uh, low loan to values and good good credit scores. Yeah, you mentioned a little bit earlier that the liquidity has been increased because of the um, access to the mortgage-backed securities market and the yeah. fact that the central bank is buying these up like crazy. Yeah. Um, and I understand that back in March, there were some regulatory rules or some changes that expanded the list of uh, homes that qualified as insured mortgages. Is that right? Yeah. So they, they brought out the same program that they did in the crisis. Oh, so okay. back in, in 2008, uh, which was to immediately allow uh, a lot of mortgages to come in. Um, that absolutely rock solid safe mortgages, yeah. but didn't have all the same criteria that they were requiring at that time. So they they loosened the financial institutions, put those uh, packages together, uh, packaged them up, sold them off, and that's been a flood of liquidity to the to the financial institutions. Right. Okay. Before we wrap this up here, sure. we've, you, you've done a great job, Chris, in in not only speaking to your own institutions' uh, strength but the strength of the BC credit union system. One of the concerns I have as uh, someone who believes in free markets and competitive environments, and that's why I gave you my loaded questions earlier about the big banks and my kind of biased view that they have too much control and they are, I do believe they are an oligopoly. I don't know what the number is exactly, but I believe the last time that BC saw a new credit union being formed was over 30 years ago. Yeah. Or maybe even 40. Yeah. and today, for someone to start a credit union, you know, again, going back to the history that I read there, that 1941, North Shore Community Credit Union was started with 10 people, each with a dollar in their hand. Right. And today, I think to start a credit union in BC, you have to have, a, I think it's $10 million of working capital or something like that. To, I, I think it's $10 million of capital and, and then a lot more money to, that's just to start. Right. Yeah. So do you have a view on, um, and you mentioned also earlier how there's just been this consent, continued consolidation of credit yeah. unions nationwide. We see smaller credit unions like Enderby Credit Union, you right. mentioned a small resource town or individual right. town got acquired by First West. First right. West has been on a tear with the acquisitions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a view on on the fact that there has been no spawning of new credit unions in BC? And do you do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. I think there's two reasons. Okay. If I go back, I think the last credit union that actually was created in BC might be Sharon Credit Union, which was a Korean-based one for right. immigrants. I think the last one in Ontario was uh, was back um, not not too many years ago, uh, Italian Credit Union in downtown in Little Italy, Little yeah. Italy little in, little in Toronto. Little, yeah. And uh, credit unions were formed because good solid, well-meaning, upstanding people couldn't get access to credit. Okay. So I think in today's age with uh, credit models, computerization, algorithms, uh, and with a a hunt for capital looking for returns, um, anybody who's going to responsibly pay back their credit uh, is going to find a loan 
Um, now, they may not like the rate, but, but I think the market's very efficient. Okay. That's one reason. And the second reason is I think that credit unions uh, that, are, that are already existing are smart enough to figure out where a new credit union could form and are likely to go in and um, offer that market. I think of ourselves um, back uh, a few years back when the couple of the big banks, uh, when George Bush was in power and he was uh, put on sanctions against Iran, uh, and those carried over into Canada, if you recall. And uh, there's many Persian uh, Canadians that live on the North Shore. We got very good at lending to Persian Canadians before they started a Persian Canadian credit union on the North Shore. Okay. So that's just one example, but there's many. Yeah. Um, Van City does a great job in servicing uh, markets that are that are on the edge. Yeah. And uh, other credit unions do as well. I could think of many examples. Yeah. So you actually think it's a good thing that there are no credit new credit unions being formed. I think that the most effective way that credit unions can work. Yeah is to share the scale at the back end. So we have, you know, we share credit companies with Desjardins and uh, with with all the credit unions. We share a a wealth backbone, uh, an ATM network that's like, I think, the fourth biggest in Canada. So we share those big scale items and then we go individually into the market where we have a real good niche. Right. Where new niches develop, I've seen credit unions split off a bit and grab those up and join them in and bring them and add them to the scale. I don't see the need for a lot of new ones happening out there. I I think of, um, you know, even in payday lending, um, that's probably the area that needs the most help. I see other alternatives being provided by credit unions for those individuals. Okay. Uh, last question sure. for you on um, this is more about uh, transparency and accountability. So um, the big publicly listed banks, obviously, they they're required to be a public company to publish their audited financials every quarter. Um, anybody who's an OSFI regulated deposit taking institution is also required to provide their balance sheet monthly and their financials uh, every quarter, even though they might not be audited. And that's all available on OSFI's website. Uh Credit unions are not required to publish this more than once a year. Do you think there should be a shift in that sense? Do you? No. Um, I, first of all, I think federal a situation like COVID coming along. Yeah, I think federal. That's a good point. But federal credit unions uh, do, I believe, and then some credit unions that issue different things, and then some other provinces do, like service does yeah. quarterly okay. uh, financials. Um, I don't think so because I just don't think we're that complicated or that, uh, you know, the delta that we have year and year. I mean, yes, we grow, but we're not, we're, we're staying, we're generally organically growing in safe business lines and not expanding into other risky areas. And then, of course, we not only um, provide the regulator our monthly financials, but we share them amongst the credit unions. And believe you me, uh, if one credit union is not acting the way it should be, uh, the other credit unions know it very quickly and so do the regulators. Yeah. Well, it is definitely a community. I can speak to that for sure, being so involved in it for as many years as I have. Um, so if somebody wants to become a member of Blue Shore Credit Union, I'm obviously this is the website. It's blueshorefinancial.com. Um, I did notice one of the things that caught my attention as well, I see your menu items along the top there is personal business wealth advisors. You actually offer a lot of services that most uh, credit unions don't. Like I noticed you have like leasing arrangements, you have, it ins- uh, looks like you off- can offer insurance, yeah. uh, and you have mentioned you have certified financial planners as well. Yeah. No, I would uh, say most credit unions are, are doing uh, leasing, some do, some don't. Yeah. Um, but I would say, yeah, most are in the wealth wealth side of things and yeah. growing that area incredibly well. And in fact, um, if you looked at the um, March and April and, and uh, May, credit unions had net sales and growth in wealth when the rest of the industry went down. Hmm. And in fact, our flagship North, Northwest Ethical Funds, uh, which are... Um, you know, ESG funds, they actually grew as well when most of the funds were going down in net sales. So we don't know whether that's because of our demographic or the trust we have, but it's also think we're, we're garnering money from other institutions because we're perceived as safer, more trustworthy sort of I thing. I see. Is most of that money in your view, like, do you have data to show where it's coming? Is it coming from other banks or is it other credit unions? It's coming from other financial institutions for sure, not for us, not credit unions. Yeah. 
from other things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Chris, this has been great. Have I missed anything here? No, no. But that this was great, been... and I and the fact that I didn't know you were a member until we just started this. Uh, thank <laughs> you for that. I, I appreciate that, and and Blue Shore does. And uh, the fact that I didn't know your questions, and and we had a great uh, interview is yeah. is uh, is great as well. Thank yeah, you. Very great. Much. Okay, well, Chris Catliff, President and CEO of Blue Shore Financial, really appreciate you coming in today. I thought it was a very enlightening conversation. Uh, I am happy to be a member, and I think you guys are doing a great job, and I look forward to seeing your continued success and growth. And impressed that you've been with uh, as CEO for this company for 20 years now. That's a, that's a really uh, big statement. And next year's your 80th not your 80th birthday, right, right. but the 80th birthday of uh, the credit anniversary union. of yeah. the credit union. Yeah. yeah, and very few companies get to be 80 years or 100 years. Yeah. Fa- but if you look at them, most of them are either family-run companies or co-ops. Yeah. Because if you're a publicly listed company, yeah, you're, just, you're, you're one bad quarter and you're toast. Yeah, yeah. And we, don't, we have a very long-range view on everything. Yeah. 21 years till uh, Blue Shore Financial becomes a hundred-year-old yeah. institution. Will you still be the CEO then? I'm sure I will not, and it will be cap- <laughs> capably led by others. <laughs> All right, well, Chris Catliff, thanks for coming on the show today. really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. That's and I'll great. shake your hand next time because we're yes. still yeah, in the yeah, yeah, yeah. social distancing. Thanks. Right. <laughs>